All right, everybody, welcome back. This is another Team Troy episode of the ODA podcast. We're joined by another Iowa State alum here. And Jake, Jake is at uh, Arkansas right now. Are you director or you just head football director? Director of equipment at at Arkansas. Um, Dealing with this COVID season, he got through it. New head coach. Couldn't have been a more, you know, Different season. You don't really know what you're getting into a lot of times with how head new ball coach wants to do things, plus COVID on top. So congrats on getting through there and, and getting that over with. And now you get to go into what hopefully is going to be a more normal spring than than maybe last spring was. Yeah, no doubt. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got started, um, how you got to where you are, and, and kind of the, the highlights along the way. Yeah, so I graduated uh, – Went to Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. So I'm, I'm sure you've heard that university listed here in a couple of your podcasts. So I uh, went to school there, um, and I was there for five seasons. I was uh, I switched degrees halfway through, so uh, ended up with a criminal justice degree, which is really not applicable to what I'm doing. But um, it, it did help in regards to like a lot of sociology, a lot of psychology classes, and so that type of stuff's a little more applicable, but. Um, went to school there. I was a student manager for, for five seasons uh, under uh, Troy Jepson, Team Troy. Um, so I worked there, went to college there for a while, met my wife. She was a student manager with me for a couple seasons. And uh, so, which um, you guys have touched on before, the, 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 the spouses that understand the profession are like I- invaluable. I mean, they just get the, the time commitments and it helps, you know, try to find you got to sneak in the time where she comes eat lunch and I, I got two little girls. So, um, they'll, you know, sneak away if I have an hour on a Sunday or whatever, it just, it helps understand it's, it's very similar to that coach's wife's aspect of things too, where it's, it's a different lifestyle and to understand what it entails and what might seem ridiculous to some people, her, her coming up through it with me, it, it has been really helpful. Um, so I'm just really well. I'm always I'm grateful for for her and um, to have her, but for her to understand it's big. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, we 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 were student managers under Troy together. Um, then after I graduated, uh, I was an intern for Troy for a year, um, and then after my my first season of football as an intern, our basketball guy left. So then I was uh, interim. I was promoted to assistant. Uh, did basketball, still helped with football. I actually did basketball, men's women's basketball, uh, men's women's golf, gymnastics, and swimming and diving, and I helped with football. Um, then that spring, Troy left and went to, to director's job at Cincinnati. So then I was interim director of football as well by myself. So that spring was a little chaotic. Uh, we uh, w- our women's basketball team hosted the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament uh, the weekend while we had spring football. Um, so thankfully the football practices were opposite of the days that they played games in Ames, Iowa. Um, but pulling double duty by myself was a little, was a little much. Um, you know, we only had, yeah, we we only (laughs) had, you know, we traditionally had an intern, an assistant, an assistant and a head guy while I was literally all three, um, during that time. So, um, you know, it, it just make it work. You know, it's what our job does, just make it work. So. Um, and then they brought John Cedric in as the director, and then I, I still help with football and went met, focused a lot on basketball and uh, in gymnastics and, t- and golf and all that for that next year, and then went back full time to football after that. Um, so I was there full time, but I would say for three years after I was an intern, and then in um, 
the summer of 2012, I took the head of football equipment job out at Cal in Berkeley, California. So I um, went as far opposite of location and setting as Ames, Iowa and moved out to California, Northern California. Um, so was there for two years, worked for two coaches out there, Coach Tedford and Coach Dykes. Um, you lived in the Bay Area. It's a cool, and Megan and I were newlyweds for about a year when I moved out there. So it was a cool experience. We didn't have, we didn't have a home, uh, we didn't own a house or anything like that. All we have is our dog and we just moved out and, you know, it was a good experience. And then, um, after two years got hired at Arkansas as a director of football equipment out here. Uh, and then this is, I just completed my seventh season here. So, um, kind of jumped around some Pac-12, Big 12, SEC. So I'm kind of <laughs> checking, checking the conferences off as I go. But, um, you know, I hopefully be here a while. Like, I like it here, obviously, seven years. So clearly, clearly I do like it here. Um, you know, and then kind of back to my wife. She, she works in the athletic department as well in the business office and things. So, um, so she's, she's kind of in her realm too. So, you know, happy wife, happy wife, happy life kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, two careers, which we're fortunate and we work. Literally, she works in the north end of the stadium. I work in the south end, so 150 yards apart. So it's kind of uh, it's nice again trying to find time in season, eat lunch together, that kind of stuff. So COVID kind of jacked that up, but prior to it, you know, we spent lunch together pretty much every day. So uh, just finding finding ways to be together as much as we can. So, um, but yeah, other than that, it's kind of been my 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 path to where I am today um, in equipment, and you know. I've, it's it's been winding but it's been it's been really good really fulfilling and you know enjoyed every step of it It just keeps things kept things kind of fresh and um you know definitely grateful for each of those each of those places i've been you learn different things learn how to balance different you know different different um tasks and different issues that each of them present but you also learn to make the best of all of them as as you kind of work your way through it so yeah i mean it's uh that's a that's a pretty cool journey. I mean, to to start at that level and kind of bounce around, staying up there. I mean, sometimes you'll see people bouncing between, you know, Division One, One Double I'm still going to call it that. I don't like calling it FCS. It's One Double A, and kind of back and forth. But to be able to stay and be kind of Power Five the whole way through, and like you said, you're kind of taking a tour of the Power Five in general. Um, hopefully, you'll get to stay at Arkansas. I mean, it, like obviously, like you said, it seems like you've got a pretty good good situation there and it, it mm-hmm. doesn't hurt to have uh your, your wife who's involved in athletics and understands the grind understands the situation and and uh gets to be so close to you every day i mean that that's kind of ideal in general but let's i do want to ask this before you know right from the bat um you know we've talked to to troy we unfortunately had to talk to blake <laughs> reed um yes. and on twitter at one point i th- saw you know before we got you on here we were talking uh about some some pickup basketball games and i think you have a story about uh whooping up on blake and yeah i'd love to hear that yeah blake just you know uh you know blake and i go back a long ways 2000 2005 was my first season as a manager so um he was the og when i got there i came in we only had 10 student managers at iowa state which some places, you know, some listeners that's a lot of managers some places like here i have 15 which i'm very lucky to have 15 um, but we had 10 and I was the only new one, um, the year I went in. So all the other nine guys were not, we had two, two female managers and, um, the other seven were, or they were all OGs. So they all knew what they were doing. And I was just the young slap there. Um, but you know, Blake, Blake and I got along really well, which um, probably surprises Patrick a little bit, but, um, <laughs> got along real well. And as we got older, uh, we had some, 
a couple of managers, uh, Drew Bly, really good friend of mine, um, student manager with me. He was a, he was a student manager at Iowa State, and then he ended up working with the Seahawks for for quite some time. Won a Super Bowl with them. Drew's from Illinois. I'm from Wisconsin, so we are the oddest staters. Uh, pretty much everybody else is from the state of Iowa. So um, you know, Drew and I were were. We're, we're high school athletes. We're you know decent high school athletes, but nothing nothing more than that. Uh, not not as good as Blake claims he was in a lot of things. But uh, we played <laughs> we played pickup basketball at the rec center, and it was um, Blake and we had another student manager, Brian Brian Smith, who went by Big Game. Um, so Big Game Brian Smith, who is contrary to what his nickname is, he was probably the least athletic manager on our squad, um, but biggest personality, and so. Blake and big game would always play against me and me and drew. And it was out of state versus in state. And it was, you know, it'd be 50 to 10. And it was always when big game and, and Blake were ready to be done taking, taking the L's, they'd be like, all right, next basket wins. They're down 40 and it's always next basket wins. And they had the ball naturally. And so in big game would make his one shot of the two hours of basketball. And then we wouldn't hear the end of it for a week until we played him again. So um, Blake might refute some of that, but it's, it's pretty accurate. If you if you call and talk to Drew about it, Drew's pretty impartial. Uh, Drew back our story. The out of staters usually won, but uh, Blake hasn't changed much then. No, uh, no, it sounds like it's pretty. Uh, I mean, I literally talked to him this morning, and uh, 2021 Blake is 2005 Blake to me. So not not a lot has changed other than his job <laughs> titles and stuff. But um, and the amount of hair in the amount yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, I was starting to go when he was there. Too. But, um, but, you know, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's just one of those dumb manager stories that everyone's got of just how you pass the time, what the, the, the small things you look back and enjoyed as a student manager. And, like, it's it's not – it doesn't it doesn't suck being an adult, but every once in a while you're like, it would be kind of fun to just be a slap student manager again for – just give me one season, no response, go to class, you know, two hours a day and then have nothing but being a manager, you know. And so uh, I definitely miss that because a lot of my friends, um, uh, my almost all my college friends were managers with me. And so the ones I still keep in touch with obviously. And, um, but it, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he, well, he, took to some L's. he took some L's to the out of stairs. Yeah. And it's good to have those types of moments too. Cause again, like the, there are people you still talk to, there are people that are still in the business and I mean, you kind of forge, you know, lifelong friendships, but those from those moments and, I mean, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that you still uh, are friends with Blake. It's kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do whatever I can to not associate. No, I'm just kidding. I love Blake. <laughs> Blake's awesome. I mean, we all love Blake. Everybody that knows him, you know, I've only ever heard good things about him. So, yeah, uh, I'm just sorry you had to you had to spend time uh, in, at school with him because I, I know what he's like. Um, he, he can be a big old pain, but. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for for the this episode to start getting some numbers after about a week or so to see how it compares to Blake's episode because if it passes him and listens, I guarantee you Patrick will be sending in a group text Blake pass you and listens, and that'll be holy crap. I'll start I'll start publicizing it to make sure we we beat Blake. Just just one more one more victory for the out of staters if we can pull that off. You got to do it. You <laughs> Yeah, and that'll be that'll be great. He needs to be put in his place from time to time. I'm sure with uh, him being on the podcast and now you know his big his big career advancement, he's um for sure got a little bit of a big head, so he'll have to be knocked down by by getting outdone. He's yeah. uh 
He's been fun, though. The, the Team Troy stuff has been great. So I do want to ask, just because your wife is obviously Team Troy as well, and, and we, I feel a little kinship to you in that we both dated, uh, ended up marrying people we, we worked with as students. So what uh, I know my wife does it, but I'm curious to know if yours does as well. Does she have any input on, you know, oh, Troy wouldn't have done it this, or do you remember how this was done, like da-da-da-da? Because my wife certainly has a lot, and I, I'll give her credit. She's been very helpful um, around the equipment room, and I can bounce problems that I'm having with the staff off of her, specifically students. And she's always really good about, you know, uh, how to deal with issues and how to be like, well, you know, you used to do that too, and I wish you just would have done this. So how much help has it been having a wife who you can kind of have a soundboard that she gets it, she was in that dynamic, and maybe, maybe can – always give you a nice uh, tip on things you did wrong as a student. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. They, it's, it's, you know, from a team try standpoint, like there's the, the thing that he instills in you. Well, one of the things he instills in you is the, is the Troy fold and how you fold clothes. And I can tell you <laughs> how we fold our laundry at home is, is the Troy fold. So that's, uh, that's 15, 15. Uh, Patrick probably knows what that is as well. 15 yep. years later, it's nice and nice and neat Troy fold. So, uh, that's one of those really, again, one of those really small things, but it's it's carried on. Um, you know, it is it is nice because Megan is Team Troy. My wife, Megan, is Team Troy. Um, and to your point, she does the exact same thing where it's, you know, when I go home and she has, like, I ask her ideas, she asks her my ideas, and when I'm talking about stuff that happened in the equipment room, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's it's not just um, you know the supportive spouse that's just there to listen and and maybe not maybe not understand necessarily what it is, but just being a supportive ear. She is that, but she also can mentally picture what this issue is and say, so, "Oh yeah, we had that in 2008 against whoever," and yeah, I remember that, or you know what I mean. And so it is, like I said, it's nice to be able to vent, but it's also nice that when I am talking about it or venting about it or whatever, she knows exactly what it is that I'm referring to. And, um, and like you're, to your point, like how would, you know, how would Troy have handled it? How, how did we kind of learn? How were we taught to handle certain things? And, um, you know, to this day, I mean, you, you had Tyler on a couple of weeks ago and Tyler made the joke after he heard team Troy, you had the goat on and he talked about how he does things or how he is as a person and no joke within, 30 minutes of Tyler getting done listening to it. He goes, whole, you know, holy hell, <laughs> everything like the last, you know, six years with me, he's like, I can, I can see everything you do is I can see Troy and a lot of that. So, you know, the reason, I mean, the reason I'm in this profession is Troy, you know, I, when I got into the equipment aspect of it, I, I thought I wanted to do more like coaching stuff and be a football coach. And within two years of working with Troy, I mean, it was, this is what I want to do. And it's, he instilled the love and the passion for it because that's what he had. He made coming to work fun. I mean, just like he mentioned when he, when he talked to you guys a couple weeks ago, like it's never working for me. It's working with me. You know what I mean? And that's what he instilled. That's what I try to instill with my guys. Like I love my managers, like family, like these are, these are extensions of my family and um, you know, they should be able to be comfortable talking to us about, anything you know and and you're not here to come you're not going to come here from two to four grind i don't talk to you and then see you tomorrow for the same thing it's not clock in clock out it's come in you know sit around the table for a few minutes catch up how's class going you know we get we obviously get grades for our kids so we know how they're doing in in, in school and things of that nature and we keep tabs on them you know what i mean and as far as people not just 
they're not just our workers. They're not my workers. They're, they're the equipment staff. They're my family. That's how I view them. And that's how we treat them. And so Troy instilled a lot of that. Like to this day, I mean, Troy, Troy is one of the the best people I've ever been around. And he's the reason I'm, I'm in this profession at, at all. Um, but the way I do a lot of things is, you know, there's, there's some hybrid stuff of he did a little bit this way and I do this a little bit different or whatever, but like the core principles of what makes me run and makes my rooms run are come from Troy and, um, you know, and it, it, it spills into everyday life and just, you know, and like Troy was just a hundred miles an hour of, and he was just, I mean, he was good at what he did, had a passion for it and you work you do so much better in any job if you have a passion for it. It's not, again, not just showing up and punching a clock. Like if it's a, if it's a profession and if it's your life, I mean, that, that makes it more enjoyable. You don't, the long days don't matter if you love what you're doing. You know what I mean? Cause it I means, I mean, you guys know 12, 12 plus hours regularly is the norm. And for it to not feel like, oh man, it's 12 hours. It's, it's more so you look at the clock and like, oh man, it's been for 12, 13 hours. You don't realize it because you, you're busy. You enjoy what you're doing. You enjoy the interactions with the, the players and your own staff. And, um, you know, for, from my side of things, like, again, I, I love my managers. Like they're, they're part of my family. My, the full-time staff that's with me is part of my family. Tyler, Tyler was here. Ryro at Tulsa. Um, Kyle's my assistant now, my GA, Jay Qualls, like, they were all at some point a student man. Uh, Ryro wasn't Ryro and I met at Iowa State and we worked together there. But all the other ones, Tyler, Qu- Jake, Kyle, these guys are all my. They were student managers with me and have worked their way up through the ladder. And so, like you know, I view them as family. You know, they put in all the work, but we spent. You spent so. Much, I mean, you guys know you spent so much time. Even if there's 30 minutes of dead period between recruiting photo shoots or whatever, that's where like a lot of your conversations of what your goals are, what your prefer the personal stuff, like you find those little windows and like, that's how you get to know people on a personal level and your retention is always going to be better. If you know them on a personal level, um, their success is always going to be better because no matter how I do things, Tyler's going to do some things the way I did. Tyler do things completely different than the way I did. And then there's some stuff in the middle. That's a hybrid of both. I'm sure Ryro can speak the same to that. Um, I know for me, Detroit, it's the exact same way. And so, um, you know, that it's always kind of how to, to be the, to me, to be the most successful person you can be is to have that passion and hope. And everyone, I think you guys have talked about it on multiple podcasts. Everybody has that one that instilled that love mm-hmm. the profession for how they do things. Everyone has that one person, you know, obviously you got your parents that, that, that raise you and, you know, maybe family members or whatever, but in your profession, there's, there's one person that gets you that, that itch that makes you want to do it and makes you want to do it well and put all your, put all your effort and energy into that because, you know, half your life you're working, you might as well love what you do. And so that way your home life and your work life are, in sync, you know, there's no, like, I think, I don't know if you guys or someone else was talking about work-life balance. There's no work-life balance. There's work-life synergy where they work together. Cause there's never going to be 50, 50. That's just not, you tell it's you impossible in this job. Yeah. A 16 hour, a uh, 16 hour game day. There's only eight more hours. <laughs> so that's, that's over half. So there's no, there's no, there's no. no balance there. That's, that's off, but it's the synergy of working together and having the people around you, your, your home life that are support you in that way. And that are a part of that with you. They, they're with you. Just like your managers work with you. Your spouse is involved with you. They're not a, they're not a product of it. They're not a, a victim of it. They're 
in it with you and then they should be able to enjoy that as a team because there are a lot of cool things that come with it that you should be able to enjoy together. And so, um, yeah, that's my, my team, Troy, <laughs> upbringing soapbox on that, on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I always said, you know, before I got out of equipment is as soon as it just becomes a job, then, then I got to get out. Like it, you can't treat the profession as just a job because like you said, I mean, when you're working on a regular basis, 12, 13, 14, sometimes, you know, game day, 15, 16 hours, there, there's not much other time for anything else in your life. And if you're only seeing it as, well, I'm getting paid for, to, you know, to do this, it's, if it's not a passion, you, it's just not right for you. You know, you've yeah. got to cut, love coming into work every day. You got to love the people that are working with you. The, like you said, student managers, that's, that was one of my favorite things about, whenever I got into a position, you know, essentially at Nevada, that was when I met Ryro when we were out there and I went out there as an intern. We ended up kind of having to run the ship for a while. And we brought on kind of a, a student staff. There really wasn't one left when we got there. There was like one guy. And when we left, there were, I think five, but it's just a matter of you bring these people in. And while yes, we're all there to do a job. It makes life so much easier whenever you can sit there, get to know them a little bit. You want to know, like you said, I mean, it's, I just, I, I couldn't justify bringing someone in and just being like, all right, you guys go do this. I'm going to go do my thing. Like you've got to be yeah, passionate about the people that work with you. You know what I mean? And, do, and you know, in this profession, this profession is not about money. So if you want to make money, this is not the way to go. Yeah. This is your love of being around, you know, the student athletes and the games and, and practice. I love practice just as much as games. Like it's just, you know, yeah, it's a 12 hour workday before it's outside for recess while we're practicing. You know what I mean? And so like, it's an automatic, you're going outside today for a couple hours, you know what I mean? And, and so you have to, you have to find that what you enjoy. And to your point, if you don't, you got to get out because it's, it's too much. And, you know, I always tell our guys like what, you know, you have a long day, you interact with 200 people on a daily basis. You can't let your your bad day ruin it for them because guess what? For some of these, for a lot of these players, this is their dream, and I'm not trying to ruin their their vision of what their dream is because I have a bad day. And it's the same with your student managers and all that kind of stuff. Is like you can't take it out of them and and uh, that kind of thing because this to, to someone in this building or you interact with throughout the day, whatever they're doing is their dream. And to to have a poor attitude because you don't want to be there and you're just cl- punching the clock is just it's not good. It's not healthy for you anyways, but you don't want to take that out on other people. And, you know, Troy, one thing Troy always, always, you know, he never outwardly said it, but his actions showed it is, you know, paying it forward to people. You know what I mean? Like, like I, he's, he was very big. on don't forget where you came from. You know what I mean? Like just cause I'm just cause I'm at an SEC school doesn't make me any different or any better. Cause guess what? All three of us do this, the same job. And so, it doesn't make me any different than you guys. Yeah, I, my someone signs my paycheck that's got a different name on it. But, you know, he was very big on you're never too big for the program. Stick mentioned that you're never too big for the program. And, and Troy was just very big on paying it forward. We, you know, like I said, my I've had two assistants now that were students for me that have worked their way up because they deserve it. And I reward them because they deserve it. And our student, we had student managers. We've had uh, nine students do NFL internships since I got here because they deserve it. They've earned it. You got to pay it forward because guess what? For me, this is my dream job and I love where I am. And so now it's your turn to flip the script and help the people get to where they want to go. Because guess what? Someone did that for me. Troy did that for me. 
And so, and I know Ryro is doing the same at Tulsa and Tyler's trying to do the same deal at UTSA and anyone else that we've been around, like you just try to, you got to pay it forward and you can't forget where you came from because someone got you, no matter where you end up, someone got you to where, to where you are. And so you just got to remember that. Cause I, I know when I went from Iowa state to Cal, I was tw- like, I was very, I'll tell, I'll be the first one to tell anybody. I'm very fortunate to never have left the power five because that is not normal. And it really is not. And I, I consider myself fortunate. I had to do, I did basketball. I did, I did multiple Olympic sports for, Mm-hmm. Almost two full season. So that gives you another sense of appreciation for everyone else. I mean, the basketball team puts in just as much work as a football team. Gymnastics, same deal. They all are practicing and they're busting their tails all the time. But that gives you a different appreciation for what other other people go through, other equipment guys go through. Like I know what our basketball guys go through. I know the guy who does uh, Mark who does softball and baseball. You know what I mean? You you get an appreciation for that. Um you know, but when I when I went to from Iowa State to Cal, I was 26. Very lucky. The timing was just the timing was perfect for me. Um, when the job was posted, the applicant there was just a lot of things that just linked up, and I was fortunate enough to get the job. I was willing to move to Northern California for very little money, but for me, it was I got to be a head guy at a very young age. I took the leap of faith, and ultimately, two years later, it got me here because I had that head experience. But when mm-hmm. I went to Cal. Like I knew nobody. Like I was from Wisconsin, went to Iowa. I never lived west of Iowa, and so. But when I get out there, guess what? Um, Gary, who's now at Michigan, director at Stanford at the time. As soon as I got out there, he reached out, reached reached out to be a resource. Todd, who's at USC, he's the one that left Cal, and I replaced him. Todd at USC, Kenny at Oregon, the boys at Oregon State, um, Wendell and Milton Neal's, the Mil- the Neal brothers. The, you know what I mean? The OGs of the Pac-12, like all these guys. <laughs> all these guys reach out and they want to help you. You know what I mean? And it's like, they didn't know me other than I was joining the conference. And as soon as I did within the first week, two weeks, all those guys reach out to me. And, and since I've left, I still talk to those guys because they're just, they're good people that are, they love the profession. They're going to help people. They want to see people succeed. And it was no different when I left and came to the sec, the entire, I mean, you know, the Ken Cranes, the Jeff, the Jeff Springer G string at LSU, Matt, Matt and Goose at A and M, uh, Phil Silva, obviously Stick joined later. Like Frazier uh, at um, <laughs> at Tennessee and his boys. Like I didn't know them from Adam, and but I was joining their conference and I was joining their fraternity, and they were there to help me. You know what I mean? And so when guys come in our conference, when guys well, like when Tyler went to UTSA or Ryro went to Tulsa, if I could help in any way, I'm not there with him. But if there's anything I can do you're there to help and be welcoming because it is such a, it is such an exclusive profession not exclusive, but it is a very niche profession that people that are in it want to be in it. And so you just, you got to, whenever you can help, like, again, you, you were in that spot at one point when you can turn that and, and flip it and help somebody else, you always got to be available to help yeah. those people because you're not going to make it. If you can't do it on your own, no matter, no matter how, how much you think you know or how much how good you are at it there's there's no way you can make it in this profession by yourself that's just the reality of it you start burning bridges it is a tough it's tough sledding to get come back from that so um like i said you're you're not bigger than the program and and, you know if you're able not to be not to be like a soapbox deal but you just always kind of you have to pay it forward you have to you can't forget where you came from because you started at the bottom and there's a version of you, there's a 22-year-old version of you at some other school that's trying to get where you are, 
and you want to help them. Like this is a, this is a profession that I love and, and a job I love. And, and I, you know, I want it to succeed. And I want people, I want more and more people to get into it because you hate seeing good people leave the profession because they get burned out or people just, people don't help them or whatever. And they just, you've seen, I mean, you can see a lot of people, I mean, Pat, Patrick's kind of a slap, but like to lose people <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? To lose, to lose people that are good at it. And it's just, you know what I mean? For a variety of reasons, they just get out. You hate losing people like that and, and it's such a good profession. And so you just, you always got to look out for everybody else, everybody, as many people as you can that really, truly, you can tell they love the profession and want to be in it. You just, you want them to be in it because it is, it is a pretty cool thing to be a part of and you, you want them for the, to be in it for the right reasons. And, you know, in any way you can help them, you always want to be that because it always, you know, you know it's, there's karma and everything. Like, you, you know what I mean? You, you know, you know, that's how it works. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, not, uh, that's truly like our favorite part of this profession, though. The fact that it is a community where everybody's there to try and help each other. Like you said, I mean, at any given point in time, I mean, even when I was working at Richmond, I could have called up Stick. I probably could have called you and just been like, hey, I need some help. And you guys have been like, all right, what do you need? Like, well, and guess what? Like you and I have never worked together, but you work for Blake. And guess what? By I, I would answer your call anyways. But by association, you and I are you and I are friends now because you work for Blake. That's good enough for me. You know what I mean? And, and you guys are together. You both call me whenever. And so it's not, it, it's not, again, I'm, there's, we all do the same job. There's, there's no difference. There's not, I'm not better than anybody. No one. And if, and if you feel that, if you feel you are better than anybody, you kind of got to check yourself because that's just not the reality. And that can come crashing down very quickly. Again, you can't, you can't do it by yourself. That's just, and I, and that was something I struggled with early, not necessarily thinking I knew it all, but like, I'm a perfectionist and I'm really or, trying to be organized and detailed. And I had, I had a hard time when I became the boss, letting stuff go to my assistants because you just, you're used to doing stuff as an assistant that you've, you've always built helmets. You've always decaled helmets. You've always done whatever as the assistant because you didn't have the administrative stuff. Well, now you're the head man. You have that administrative stuff. You need to relinquish that and trust your people. And that's why you hire people you trust, you know, and you just got, and that's, that's a learning curve for everybody. When you go from the number two who does a lot of the grunt work and the day-to-day hands-on stuff. And now you're, now you're doing more administrative things that you don't have the time to do the stuff you did as a, you have to learn to, to let that go. And that, to me, that was a struggle because I, I tend to be a perfectionist and I mean, Tyler to the, makes fun of me to this day about it. But, but my, my, to me, my, that's important to me that to have that attention to detail, but you also have to learn to trust the people around you, because again, you cannot do it on your own. No matter, there is not enough time. We tell our managers that there's not enough time in the day for me to do it all by myself. That's why we rely on them heavily. We trust them to do it. And at the same time, we'll never ask them to do something that I have not done or would not do. You're not going to put them in that position. But if I ask you to do something, it's because I can't do it. And also I'm asking you because I know it can be done because I have done it at some point. You know what I mean? And so I know you can do it. Like I know you can do it because I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's no, obviously there's no degrading. There's no degrading jobs. None of that stuff. Like I said, if I haven't done it or wouldn't do it, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but there's not enough time in the day for me to do it all by myself. I, you have to learn, you know what I mean? To rely on people around you because that's why you surround yourself with good people because you trust them. You know they'll take care of it. They know the level of expectations from you. They're going to meet that. You know what I mean? And the ones that don't generally get weeded out because you have 
10, 15 managers, if 13 are pulling the right way and two are not, they generally, they either catch up or they're just like, this isn't for me. And it, it usually works itself out, but um, you, you got to rely on, you got to trust them. You got to hire good people, surround yourself with good people. And just, again, you cannot do it by yourself, no matter how, how good you think you are. You just, you can't, it's just not possible. No, it's, it's not feast or famine. And, and there's, when, when, when one of us eats, we all eat. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of yep. that way where uh, a lot of professions have that kind of stuff, and you may say, "Well, they got that job; I could do that job." But that's not the way to look at it. It's it's more of you know, their equipment managers are just like anything else. There's good equipment managers and there's bad equipment managers, but there's a, there's a scale for everything. But if we're helping good people and good students get into the profession, and we're promoting that, the profession only gets better. And if they're doing a great job out at 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 the you know University of Wisconsin and you get a deputy AD come over and as your AD, well, he's already got a positive outlook on equipment and that whole staff and what you need. He trusts you because he had a good one at his last place. So, you know, administrators move around just like we do, just like coaches do. So if we're all doing a good job and we're all helping each other do a good job, it ends up coming back around. And like you said, karma, it's all good for all of us. Well, And you know, with your kids, like everything that goes well, the kids did it. The managers did it. It's, it's, they get the credit. If something goes wrong, I'll dive on that grenade. I'll address it to them individually. Um, you know, like I said, you, you kind of protect those kids because, yeah, you can you can get stern with them and you can get your point across without being a tyrant and screaming at them, whatever. But when there's success, it's group success. There's nothing I do that isn't the success of the entire room. And, yeah. and if something goes wrong, I'll, I'll, I'll take the brunt of it and then we'll calmly discuss it. Separately, just like, you know, if coach yells at anybody, like you just take it in the moment. Most of the time the coaches forget about it 10 seconds later, but same deal. If something happens in the equipment room, I'll fall, I'll fall on it. We'll take it. We'll adjust it separately in a calm, <laughs> calm fashion, not on the field. And, but if things go well, managers did a great job at this. And you know what I mean? And, or, you know, Kyle, my assistant, my assistant and my GA is like, you keep the praise on them because they're, they're, they're there to, they make you look good. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're, I mean, you hire good people and they work the tail off. They get the praise and you can feel good about it because, you know, you got your job done. They feel a part of it, which just in, just ingrains it further that they want to go that extra mile. They continue to do well and do right by you because they know, you know, they're, they're you know, again, if you don't get credit for anything, eventually your, your guys are going to be like, they don't feel appreciated. And that's where you start yeah. losing people as well. And so, I mean, the, the, you can't do it without the managers. And, and like I said, I was one. I mean, we were all managers, student managers at some point. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the lifeblood of it and you can't, you just, you can't survive without them. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's throwing them some praise and making sure that they understand that they're getting recognized for the grind and the work that they do. It, it shows a difference tenfold in mm-hmm. just their work. And it's, and then not just like, Hey, let's give them praise to make them work harder. It's not that at all. It's, yeah, you got to recognize when they're doing a good job and let them know that you see that they're doing a good job. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it makes a huge difference and it, it creates a better work environment for everybody too. So, well, like I mean, it's, you, you, and you just, you know, your student managers, like we, we were lucky here. We had a family, we had, uh, we hired Sam, who's a, who's a season long intern now at the Cowboys. His younger brother's a manager with us now. And he's got another younger brother who's like three years behind. So like, you think you're doing something right. If a family is going to send three different, you know, kids there. And, uh, but, but even to that point, like, there's only so many high schools and all that. Like it trickles down. If hey, this, they do not treat them right, it's not a good job. It's hard to find managers if there's a there's a connotation about 
how you run things or whatever versus the other way is like it's a lot easier to find managers when they're <laughs> it's good out there that they, you treat them well and they do a good job and they enjoy the job and so um again it's it's with anything like word gets around so you just want to you just want to do right by them and and look out for them and you know and, and they they appreciate it they maybe don't at the time but when they're done they're Usually, most of them usually miss being around. Just like we were talking before, you miss being just a student manager when you're in the real world doing job, and you kind of appreciate things after they're gone. Like I, you know, for Troy, like I wish, I wish Troy never left. I don't know if I'd ever left Iowa State if Troy be his number two there 15 years later. But um, I mean, it worked out. But <laughs> but you know, but it's it's the same deal there, and so. Scott, what do you think about us taking it to a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about the potential of a team Jake for all of his assistants because his <laughs> assistants keep going off and getting head jobs somewhere. And um, then we can ask some other, you know, ODA type questions. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all right. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, guys. We're still here with Jake Rosh. Gosh, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. I know super I'm saying German. it right. Yeah, super German from the north. It's a long A sound. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, what I like to call Team Jake because uh, it <laughs> seems like he's he's building himself up uh, a, a pretty big uh, group of guys that are part of his tree, if you will, that might just be a separate part of, of Team Troy, just, you know, extending those branches a little bit. But I want to talk to you a little bit, Jake, about uh, the the couple of assistants you've had kind of move on to director roles and, and head roles in terms of football. Um, you know, I, we talked a little bit about this off off recording about how, you know, when I had assistants working for me, uh, I told them, especially because I was at, I mean, I was at Richmond. I said, listen, if you're here for longer than two years, then then I'm probably doing something wrong. I want to get you guys to a better situation. Mm-hmm. And the two guys I had worked for me while I was there went off to bigger and better jobs, and I couldn't be happier for them. It 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 made me happy to see them succeed, right? And it seems like that's kind of the same situation you had with Tyler and Ryan, where. You know, they learned under you for a couple of years, Tyler, a little bit longer because he was a student. Um, but you brought them in, taught them everything you kind of kind of knew and and showed them a lot of the ins and outs of kind of what a really a, a director and a, and a head person does. Um, and and, you know, let them out to, to go do bigger and better things. So if you could just talk to us a little bit about that and how, you know, the discussion we had about even like kind of doing mock orders and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like everything circles back to Troy, but it's, you know, it's the way that kind of I came up with through him is, um, you know, I, I told Ryan, I told Tyler, like, I love you guys. Like you said before your, your family, but you know, I, I don't want you here forever. And that's not an, it's not an indictment on them personally. It's, I want them to be successful professionally. And so they kind of come into it with, you know, what are your, what are your end games? What are your, what is your end game? What is your type of job you want? Um, you know, when I, when I was a student manager, I kind of jotted that out as like, I knew I wanted to be a power five, like football guy and all that kind of stuff. And what would it take, you know what I mean? To get where I wanted to go and um, try to have some sort of a roadmap. Cause if you don't, you're just kind of spinning your wheels. And, and it was the same with, with those guys is where do you want to end up? You know what I mean? And, um, what do you think it's going to take for you to get there? So in their own mind, they have to have kind of a concept of where they want to go. And then in my mind, I, I feel like I have some 
direction and where I th- what I think they kind of need to know or what they need to experience to feel comfortable going into those roles. And so, um, you know, obviously those guys and anyone that works for me, you can put, they can put together a helmet, they can fit shoulder pads. Um, you know, the, the last couple of years, you're starting to learn how to maintain the X system and run headsets on your own, things of that nature. But you try to get them exposed to as, as much, as much of the responsibilities they can have that's not in the director's chair. So when they walk in as the, the boss, all the, all that stuff they know it's second nature to them. So when they get to the, the the big chair and they're they're the ones making the calls, they just have to learn some of the other stuff that they might not get experienced with as being the number two. Um, and even within that, we try to help bridge that gap as well. So when I was at Iowa State, and what I did with Tyler and Ryan is like every year we prep for our orders. So Troy gave me a spreadsheet. He goes, "Here you go, build your order." This is your. This is the dollar amount we got. Build an order. If you're replacing it, what what would we order? How many of what? Keep track of the money. We'll sit down. You get a week. We'll sit down. We'll look over your order. We'll compare it to what I would do. I'll talk through my thought process. We'll talk through yours and kind of help bridge the gap. Did that with with Ryan and Tyler. The first year you go in, like this is the bottom line dollar amount. You go from there. No direction necessarily on how much you spend on cleats, how much you spend on gloves, but it's kind of. It helps you gauge where their brain is at and where they think things would go because, it, you know, it's just like the players, like, they all want hoodies. Well, but, okay, but you need tights, you need compression shorts, you need socks. Like, everyone wants the fun, fancy stuff. And when you look at the order, it's like, okay, you got those guys two hoodies. Well, what if they rip their one pair of girdles? You only got enough here for them to have – not to say that they did that, but there's areas that they don't necessarily mm-hmm. think of on the grand scheme of things – um, that you got to kind of factor in. So then you sit down, hey, this is what I ordered. What'd you order? How many did you order? What's your thought process for getting to that number? Um, and then the second year, they can go, they'll can go. they go into it with like, okay, now I have, they spend this much on gloves, this much on cleats. And then you kind of adjust your order to fit in those. And, you know, when Tyler got to, to UTSA and Ryro got to Tulsa, their end number is different than ours. And so then you you kind of scale it, scale it down to whatever you have for a budget and, make it fit within that. But then at least when they're going to that first or second year of ordering at, at those schools, they know what that looks like and how to kind of prepare those orders. Because I mean, you know, the, obviously everyone talks about equipment, about doing laundry and all that stuff. But I mean, the biggest, to me, the biggest responsibilities is, is budget management and inventory management. I mean, that's where, that's where a lot of jobs are, are, are won and lost. Honestly. I mean, like I said, you can find a lot of people that can, set up drills and practice and put together a helmet. But to be able to manage the budgets that we have to manage, to manage the inventory, take care of a wide range of personnel, that's where they get that kind of, I feel like that knowledge and appreciation for how that stuff goes out the door and, and where the money goes to, how much you order to get through a year. Because also it doesn't end just when the season's over. You're not just ordering just enough to get through December. You're going to have 15, 20 kids at mid-year. You're going to have naturally staff changes, not necessarily coaches, support staff, whatever. So Mm -hmm. like trying to juggle that, but without doing it, it's hard for me to just explain it to them. So Troy did that to me, and that's what I try to do to them is get that experience building it yourself. And then we'll talk through what my process and thoughts were, how you got to your decisions. We'll talk about what's the best. I mean, sometimes I'll take stuff that they decided, hey, this you can get two shirts for this for the price of this one, and – or whatever, and we just kind of make it work. And but it gives them at least a fundamental understanding of how a prepping an order. To, same with budgeting. Like here, this is this is what we this is how our budget looked last year. 
is there areas we can tweak, adjust, put some money here versus here, submitting the overall budget. Like they sit in with that and they help work through that. They kind of create their own. And, and then when they leave, they, they have a basic understanding of how you would propose a budget, how you would submit your orders. And so, and then even then once again, like we talked before, once they leave and get their other job, my work with them doesn't end. My relationship with them doesn't end. So again, I don't know everything. They don't know everything. If they have a question, they'll call and ask. I'm not standing over their shoulder calling, like, what do you need? What do you need? But to feel comfortable enough to say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or what do you, you know what I mean? It's, I do that with a lot of equipment guys still. I mean, if I have bigger ideas or whatever, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on this? And, you know, like I said, we're all in the same field dealing with different things. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. And so you're going to get some good opinions from a lot of different people. Um, And so that's what you just try to do with those guys is, expand their knowledge expand your network too because like as the boss i interact with more people well i also hey how are you doing this is my assistant tyler now his network continues to grow and his his level of or his group of people that he can reach out to same with ryan is they feel more comfortable reaching out to other people because it's not just head head guy to head guy because this head guy will retire and someone will replace him at some point or whatever that way their network continues to grow so they have more resources when they get in that spot. And so um, you just try to expose them to as many things as you possibly can. And it's kind of up to them to take in what they want to take in. And they have to be a willing participant. And thankfully with Ryan and Tyler, they were to learn as much as they possibly can, ask questions. And if I mean, if I don't know, I don't know. And I, I won't pretend to know. And we'll reach out to somebody else and get the, get the answer from somebody else. But trying to help set up those avenues for them to have a, their own resources in addition to who they're coming from. But otherwise you just, you just get a straight line pull. There's not a lot of varying, there's not a lot of varying opinions and thought processes like team Troy all the way, but Blake branched off, learned with Detterman and a lot of these other guys branched off and learned from other people too. And so you're expanding that and it helps you, you it helps you evolve your thought process and get differing ideas. Otherwise not everything's done the same way. Like coaches hate hearing that. I hate hearing that. It's like, well, we've always done it this way. Well, if, if it's getting brought up, we don't want it done that way. And you can't get stuck. I mean, if you didn't change anything, we'd still be running triple option. So, I mean, things evolve. You have to adjust. That's just, you see that across the board and anything is like, we're here. That's to me, that's something I pride myself on. I, I unfortunately have gone through some staff changes, but my ability to adjust and, with the new staffs has allowed me to stay on through those staff changes. And so they'll never drop the, Hey, we, we've always done it this way, or we, we did it this way. It's like, how would you want this, this, and this done? Or I'm not going to tell them how we did it before, unless they say, how'd you guys do it last year? Then I'll, we, in the past, we've done it a couple different ways and explain it. But like, I'm not trying to drop nuggets of how it used to be or what we've always done. Cause that's not what people want to hear. And I hated that. Yeah, and I so hated hearing. Well, this is how we used to do things, or this is how we've always done things. I just because it's like there's always a and no offense to anybody how things were done. Like there can be a better way to do things. Yeah, and it's not just because it was done this way in the past doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. Well, and like there's and, and within that too, it's done different ways for different reasons. Like Tyler does things one way at UTSA because that's how he wants to do it, or. The, the state regulations on bids or something are different or their monetary situations are different or comparing the way Army does stuff to us is pointless because Army's got like nine teams and 800 football players. That's not, it's not the same. 
it's not apples. It's not apples to apples. And so it's, but by expanding, I could talk to, to Nick out at army and say, how would you do this? And take that, talk to Kenny out at Oregon, take that, talk to stick at Michigan, Mississippi state and be like, then you kind of like morph them into, and then think about how you would do it. And you kind of morph them and it helps you come up with more of a cohesive thought of, what ways, like you said, you could be doing things differently and waste, you could be spinning your wheels. Like when I send my guys to uh, NFL internships, I tell them what I want when you come back is two things that they did differently than we do so that they make notes while they're there and they could bring back something that the Cowboys did or the Seahawks. There's some good people in the NFL too um, of they might've done this better and it makes our job easier that I've never thought of. And so in your month or year long or however long you're there, when you come back, I want two two things that are different and we'll discuss it. And if it's something we can implement or if something we do, but we can tweak it this way to make it even more efficient, we'll do that. We'll do that way. Cause as soon as you become steadfast on what you do and you don't adjust, that's, that's the beginning and the end for a lot of people because mm-hmm. with every new coach, with every new technology, you can't get stuck in old school technology because what's, the helmets we use right now in ten years are going to be completely different. Shit, in five years might be, sorry. <laughs> in five years they might be okay. different. Uh, in five years they might be different, and so you, you just can't get stuck in the same way. You have to evolve, and that's the only way for you to survive. And and again, that's with with, with the guys that I've had work work with me that have gone elsewhere. You just expose them to as much of that as possible. Always be a willing resource for them, even when they're gone. And again, not pretend like you know everything because I don't know everything. I still talk to Troy. Troy hasn't been in equipment for a couple of years, and I still ask him equipment stuff. Troy still asks me equipment stuff because he hasn't been in a couple of years. Like, hey, how do you do this or this now? Because it's different since I was there. I mean, mm-hmm. again, he he's not above reaching down to me, and I'm not above asking for help because that's just you want the best, most efficient way of doing things, what's in the best interest of everybody, and if someone else – can help you on that. You'd be crazy not to take advantage of that. And that's what you try to instill in those guys is learn as much as you possibly want. I'll help you as much as you want to be helped. And, um, and you, you determine what that level is. If you want a bunch of opinions or input, I'll give it to you. If you don't, I'm not going to push it. Cause it's, this mm-hmm. is when you leave here, this is your room. That's your room. And I'm just there to be a resource if you need it, because I'm also your friend. So, Guess what? Half the time I talk to Ryan or Tyler or, or even my GA or assistant out, half the time it's not work-related stuff. And so you get to know them on that personal level, and it's just a personal conversation. And then usually that's also what springs, like with us now, is we just talk in general, and that springs the topics within that conversation. They happen more organically. Um, and so that way you feel comfortable opening up to those people and talking to them about whatever you need to talk about. So. Yep. I think the cool thing about uh, two cool things about what you said was everyone's had that aha moment. If you weren't shown how to make orders, um, if you weren't shown that as a student or even an assistant, the first time you're making big orders, you get the stuff where you're like, ah, we ran out of that. And the next year you do an order that, aha, I'm going to do it different this year. So Mm -hmm. it's cool that you're giving people the opportunity to have that and explaining it to them because inevitably, Staff could change. Like you said, you get a new coaching staff in, and you're like, remember we ordered all those extra polos? Yeah. And they connect those dots before it's ever there's ever any risk for them. And the other thing that's awesome, too, is when you send kids to NFL training camps. You know, I've had kids that I worked with that, that did those as well. But if you send them with homework, bring something back, you're ensuring – in an, they may not even realize it, but you're making sure they're paying attention. They're yeah. trying to learn, which is – 
not just for you, but it's beneficial for them. It's why they're there. And you're not just there to put your head down and grind, keep your head up and look around, learn something. And there's a lot. I always tell kids, you're going to learn more in that month than you may have learned, you know, in another year under me because I've taught you what I can at this point. So it's, it's awesome. It's awesome that you've got a very learning culture. I think my wife always uh, made sure I had it drilled into my head, but the, the growth comes from a uh, good balance of, of challenge and support. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're challenging these kids and, and these assistants and you're giving them something to do and you're, you're there to support them as well, that's a healthy learning environment. And that's, that's definitely what we need more of. I think it's good for every equipment manager out there. That's especially you young kids and you new uh, full-time people who, who have people under them for the first time. It's definitely good that they're hearing that. But I want to transition now. Pat's favorite question. My favorite question. What is your, uh, Best example of, of maybe another duty as assigned, something at the bottom of the contract that certainly didn't fall under your uh, list of job duties. Uh, I mean, you, you, just with that, with anybody, you got a whole bunch. Uh, the one, the one that always sticks out to me um, is kind of how I got my first TED job at Cal. So um, back in 2007 and eight, Coach uh, Coach Chizik was our head coach at Iowa State. So I'm uh, kind of dating myself, but back in the day, they didn't have like they didn't have um, Spotify or anything like that. So, and we didn't have game helmets. So we would do helmet night. So you'd stay after practice, order some pizza, play some music or watch the Thursday night game or whatever. And um, we would, we'd, we'd do all that. And so back in the day you would burn, you would burn CDs. It's a, it's a really archaic process where you put songs (laughs) on CD and um, but like, you're not dating yourself too much because I used to have to do the same yeah. thing. Don't worry. It's okay. Yeah. Our listeners have no idea what we're talking about. No it's foreign to them. So, uh, but I'd, I'd make a CD every week. It'd just be 12 songs and it'd be, you know, an hour and change for our helmet night. And it'd just be something kind of fun to do or whatever. And uh, one night, Coach Coach Chizik came in and he just liked whatever song was on. Um, and he goes, who, who makes, is this on the radio? Because it was, it was like, I'm sure there was a curse word in it because it was mostly hip hop. But um <laughs> He's like, and, and Troy was Troy's told him, hey, you know, Jake made it. It's their our home and ice CD or whatever. And he he goes, do you think you can get it without without um, lyrics in it, like an instrumental? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I could. So I'll I'll work on it tonight after the after home and I or whatever. And um, so I went home, got it. It took you know, I acquired the song through alternative means, and then uh, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> brought it in the next day and I brought it into his office and played it for him. He goes, that's awesome. He goes, do you think you can? download a few more or whatever. I'm like, yeah, just give me a list and I'll put it together. And, um, so the next day he gave me a list of like, you know, 20 songs or 30 songs, or whatever. And I ended up burning a instrumental CD, which ended up being used for a pregame music. Cause he just, he liked instrumental music instead of lyric, lyrical music or whatever. And so it was all, you know, the popular uh-huh. or whatever, just no, no words. And, um, so then for his birthday, he got a, an iPod. So he was going to use it for his road trips, but didn't know, he didn't know how, basically how to do it because again dating ourselves it was the second generation ipod so it was the big brick one they had before mm-hmm. um, so he asked if i could come over to his house after after helmet night and basically put music on the ipod for him and he had like a playlist and um so i'd, I'd upload it all into his ipod and then he would have it for the weekend or whatever and I, I, he would let me you know his wife would make us dinner and i'd do all that and then after that we'd watch like the second half of the thursday night game or whatever and i ended up doing that almost every week or every other week during his time at our, at, uh, at Iowa State, and then um, he left at he left and went to Auburn, obviously, and, and did well there, won a national title. But before he left, he just he reached out and said, "Hey, just appreciate everything, everything you did, helping out. Um, you know, if you ever need anything, just here's my number and whatever." And so I, you know, 
college kid, you're just eager to help in any way you can. And um, so I just kept that as a reference because I knew at some point I was going to be graduating and needed a job. And so it wouldn't hurt to have a good reference. And um, so I graduated, graduated, all that, applied for the Cal job in 2012 and had him on as my reference. And um, didn't think anything of it. It's like maybe it'll draw their attention. It'll look at my resume or whatever. Um, and, you know, do the interview process, get offered the job at Cal, uh, go out to Cal. And I was standing at practice one of the days with uh, Coach Tefford, who was the coach at the time, and um, just an awesome guy. But um, he basically told me that um, Gene Chizik had called on my behalf. Um, they left him, a, left him a voicemail, and he called him back and, and talked to Coach Tedford and a couple of people in the Cal organization and basically gave me a really good recommendation, which essentially helped me um, seal the job. And it's just, you know, I'm very grateful. I reached out to him after I got there. I didn't know that. I, I like I said, I, I threw it down there maybe as a flash because he had just won a national title like eight months prior. So like maybe they'll, they'll draw the attention. They'll just look at my resume or whatever and not thinking anything of it. And, um, but for him to go out on the limb there and, and vouch for me to for a guy like that to help me get my first job, especially being 26, I was pretty young when I got that too. Very very fortunate in that regard. But to have him go out on the limb for me meant a lot, you know, because they talked to Troy, they talked to the guys I worked with every day. But to think a guy I hadn't worked for in four years would go on the limb and and honestly, all a lot of it's because I made that impression burning mixtapes and uploading his iPod or downloading music on his iPod, you know and it, it seems like a small thing at the time, but you're just there to help and be a part of the program and do whatever you can. And, but it, you know, it, it, we talked about karma before it always kind of comes back and, and good, you know, good things happen when you do good things for, for other people and without, without trying to get anything in return, you know? And, um, so that, that's always my favorite kind of anecdote because it is just such a, you don't think anything of it. Like the head coach, you're, I'm 20 years old and the head coach asked me to help. I'm like, this is my alma mater. The head coach wants my help. No, whatever you need, coach. Well, you know, that, that's our attitude. I'm 35. That's still <laughs> coach Pitt asked me for something, whatever you need, coach, you know, and, um, you just, you don't really think of anything of it. And then, you know, five years after he leaves, he's, he's that reference for me. And, um, the others, again, nothing too big for the program. And you just, you do just do things because you want the, the best for everybody and to help as much as you can. And it, it paid tenfold you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so uh, and there's there's all sorts of other things like painting shoes and just just random things because they like this cleat but it doesn't they don't make it anymore and it's only in this color and um so you paint shoes you do you know you tape in basketball obviously you go in ballrooms you tape out courts you help those guys tape out courts you do laundry i mean laundry is a sign but like you're at a tournament you're doing laundry at a laundromat like just a lot of things that are outside the regular day-to-day but you just it's your job to fix it and figure it out and that's that's what the that's what the equipment guys are good at you're kind of the swiss army knife of hey this is what we need you figure it out we you know how many, how many different things you build with pvc pipe for running back <laughs> coaches you know special teams coaches whatever mm-hmm. like you just you just become a uh you know a master craftsman of just randomness whatever they need you know and you figure it out because that's what they pay you to do is figure it out. And so um, that's, that's my favorite one because it, it, you know, it, it got me my first head job and I'm forever grateful for that. And um, he didn't have to do that for a you know, 20, year, 20 year old kid that was just burning a CD. You know what I mean? But it, to me, it meant the world. I mean, that's, I'm, I am probably am where I am now because he believed in me and it, it's all stems from download music on an iPod. So um, there's just, 
and, and same with Ryan. Like we talked about Ryro before. Ryan and I only worked together for a couple of months at Iowa State before I left for Cal. But like just the type of person he is, and just the organic conversation and whatever you build a friendship. Like I said, we worked three months together before I left. We weren't we weren't close when I left, but over the time we became close. And then when I had a chance to hire somebody down here and bring in someone of his, you know, his, his, his personality, which is, which is great for the morale of the room. And um, you know, you know, he's going to work his butt off and um, but like all that stuff just kind of naturally happens. And um, you know, you just, you just never know where people are going to end up and, and you don't do it for the selfish reasons. You're just like, well, this guy might be this, this, and this five years from now, but it's just, if you're just good to everybody, and treat people with respect and be good, take care of as many people as you possibly can. You, you don't know where they're going to end up, good, bad, or indifferent. But just, again, this is a dream job for somebody. You don't want to ruin it for them. And, and you know, if you can pay it forward and all that kind of other thing we've already talked about, but you just, you want to be, you want to be there and just, just be good to people. And it always, it always has a way of the people that deserve it. They get what they deserve. Um, sometimes, sometimes on the bad side of that, but usually on the good side, they get people that work hard. They usually get rewarded for that because they're just they're just good people and they're they're just looking out for everybody else and just care. And I hopefully when I'm whenever I'm done doing this and hopefully forty years, like that's hopefully no one will ever say that I didn't care about my job, about the people I worked with, their well being, their their profession, their future. Um, you know, like with Ryan, I was in his wedding, you know what I mean? Or was going to be in his wedding until he, they had to change it because of the COVID stuff. But like, mm-hmm. that means just as much to me than anything. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a head guy, but like that friendship will last more than the profession will. So, um, and that's just, you just do it for the right reasons and it always kind of works out. So Drew, Drew's in my, Drew's the best man or a groomsman in my wedding. Um, Drew Bly, the out of state crew is in my wedding. I was in his <laughs> wedding and, um, like just, you know, just it always works out for for people that care for other people. That's the, the biggest thing is just pay it forward and just just mm-hmm. care care. People know you care. You usually you usually get a longer leash if you care because people know. You know what I mean? If you're if you're busting your tail, going 100 miles an hour, trying to do everything to the best of your ability, and people will follow you, and people on the outside will see you doing that, and you 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 get that benefit of the doubt because you're they know you're going to do everything in your power. Um, you know, because equipment guys like a lot of guys will just—it's no, 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 no matter what. But if I'm going to do everything I possibly can for you every single time, when I tell you no, you know that there's legitimately no way I can do it. But if I—if you ask for a pair of socks, I say no, and it's just a lot of a cruel, a cruel nose over time. They're just eventually going to stop trusting you. Versus like if I'm going to do everything in my power to make all this happen, um, you know the one time I tell you and say, Coach, I can't do it or no you know that I've exhausted all opportunities and all options and that, and we just got to find, but the best way with that too is, you know, you don't say no, you can't do this, but this is what we could do. You know what I mean? Having solutions again, equipment guys, you're all about solutions. So the answer can be no, but it should be followed up with, but we could do this instead, or you should be able to problem solve in addition to that because very rarely is saying no where that ends very, very rarely, especially yeah, our, it's all about from a coach. Yeah, it's all about giving them a different option. Like, coach, I can't do exactly this, but here are the you know three different things that I could possibly do. Yeah, that, that might be as good as what you're looking for, or even for like your admin. Like, if they're looking for something particular, yeah. well, you know, I, no specifically to this, but 
yeah, here's here are your other options. So you know, it's it it's about finding the the best solution. And like you said, every you know the the kind of the stigma on on every equipment manager is they love saying no. Like yeah, we do we do love saying no, but like there's there's always the but there. Like we're there. Yeah, like can I have a new pair of socks? No. Why do you need a new pair of socks? Like what's wrong with your socks? If you can tell me that like you yeah you ran through your socks and there's a big hole, I'd love to give you a new pair. I have no problem yeah. with that. But just coming up to me one day just randomly being like. Hey, I need. Hey, Pat. Let me let me get a new pair of socks. And then the next day, hey, let me get a new pair of socks. Give me a reason, and I'll yeah. give you and I'll give you an alternative solution for for that situation. Well, the, play, you, the explain for players like want versus need. You need it. You will never go a day without something you need. Like yeah, you would love a third pair of gloves or another hoodie. You would would love to have that, but you don't need that. And so, you you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to take care of you. You're never going to be in a position where. Your safety is compromised. Your comfort is compromised. You're gonna have exactly what you need when you need it on game day. We don't fight. We don't fuss with them at all. You tell me you need something on game day. Here you go. Go ball out. Do your thing. We'll we'll give you some flack on Sunday. We'll figure it out during the next week, whatever. But like we're here for them. I mean, we're, our jobs are not. We don't have jobs if they weren't for the student athletes. And so like, I'm gonna work my tail off for you. It's, it's no different with, with the no deal we're talking about before. Is like your need. Everything you need will be taken care of. You will have what you need to play. You're not always going to get what you want because that's not a necessity. Not possible. At the time. Yeah, it's just not yeah. possible. And it's it's no different than, you know, deal with players will be like, how come they got this? Well, because that roster is 12 and your roster is 140 and that thing's $200. That's why. If you want to not have cleats and a pair of gloves, then sure, we'll get you that. But. Um, but everything you need, you will have. And our, we're at, our main our main goal with the student athletes, and you guys know, is their well being and 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 health and safety. That is that is paramount. Top responsibility is to make sure that they are protected and their well being is our ours our main priority. So again, we might say no, but it's gonna it's not gonna be something that's gonna risk your well being and your health. It's again, you lost your sweatpants or you gave it to your girlfriend and she kept it. And you want another one? That's Sorry, we can't do that, but you're going to have knee pads. You're going to have gloves. You're going to have cleats. You're going to have the best equipment we can offer you. And so just any other, just it's through relationship with your players. Like they know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a um, little dry humor a lot of the time. And, but they understand, they get that because I've been here long enough. They understand that's just my personality, but they also understand that I'm never going to jeopardize their well being or their health. So, um, as long as that, as long as that's communicated, I'll be a, I'll be a smart ass to people and whatever. But I, I generally care about your well being, and I will make sure you're taken care of how you need to be. Um, but just obviously don't don't kind of abuse that. But don't kind of educating them on what they really need versus what they want, and you know, so they're like D linemen want safety cleats, and like you're a 300 pound D lineman, man. This isn't high school anymore. Like this is for your well being, because I can tell you right now, when you get to the NFL. What I'm telling you you need to wear is exactly what they're going to tell you you need to wear because it's you're an investment at that point, and we're just kind of the stepping stone to that. And so we're going to help you based on all the yep. different information we have to be as protected as we can because everyone's, everyone's a wide receiver regardless if you're buck 80 or 315. Like everyone's Bro, still it's... a skill guy, but – um, I'm slow, but I would still wear lows. You know what I mean? But it's well. That's what I would always. That's what I always tell my guys. I'm like, listen, you're you're not running a four four sub four four forty, and yeah. I promise you, at three hundred and ten pounds, this cleat is going to do a heck of a lot more for you, and it isn't going to slow you down. 
Yeah, like it's exactly. it's gonna it's gonna protect your feet. It's gonna protect your ankles, and you're not gonna be any slower on the field because of it because you're already slow. Yeah, <laughs> it's that 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 two ounce difference, which is pretty much what they are. If you could if you can quantify what two ounces difference are and how it'll affect your play, then we'll have a discussion. But you can't just tell me it's lighter and it's really not. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like. No. Trust yeah. me, you're, you're, I mean, that was a discussion I always had. And I, to, to this day, like, I'll be watching, I mean, especially during the college football season, I was texting back and forth with Scott all the time, uh, just furious seeing offensive or mostly defensive linemen, like even defensive ends, because those guys are, I mean, most of those guys are at minimum like 245. Yeah. They should, I mean, for the most part, all those guys should not be wearing lows, mids at minimum. Yeah, and like your interior defensive lineman, but those guys in something that just it fits their foot because a lot of those guys have bigger, wider feet in general too. So like trying to fit, fit yeah. them into something yeah. that's like a low, it's just you're you're doing damage to that person. You're not helping them. And it was a conversation in terms of not just like me trying to be a jerk, but I always had to try and have that conversation with my players. Like, listen, my linebackers, that you know, hey. You, you're 245 pounds and you're going in and attacking offensive linemen and fullbacks and digging your feet into the ground to try and create leverage to beat them and get off the block. Wouldn't you want something that supports your ankle a little bit? Yeah. Like, yeah, an ankle tape helps, but let's have something structurally there on, you know, on the outside of your foot that really does help you. And then, you know, then they buy in and they wear it and they notice like, Hey, this, like you said, it's a matter of like two ounces, maybe three, if we're really trying to get into it. Like, does it, I mean, does it really make that big of a difference for you? Yeah. And if it's that much for like a comfort level, well, this is what I wore in high school. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, that's great. You you probably also wore like a Rawlings helmet in high school and they don't make those anymore. So yeah. like, I, I don't care what you wore in high school. Yeah. There's lighter helmets in the flex, but you don't have a problem with that. So let's yeah, see. exactly. <laughs> it's all, it's yeah. very selective. Like even, even in the same position groups, like, there's you, you could have three linebackers and they could all be completely different. You know what I mean? Like they could like even if you're even if they're all six two, two ten, those are all different shape six two two tens. And one's got a an E width shoe, the other one's got a B width shoe, and you know, one's got a high arch, one's got a low arch. Like they're not all made the same. And so just because the guy's lining up next to you in the defensive backfield is the same height or the same position you're not treated this you got to treat each of them obviously individually and specialize as much as you can per kid because it's just not one size fits all doesn't if one size fits all nike wouldn't have three lows three mids and three bigs like if it was exactly it was all the same it would be all the same and it's not for for a reason so a lot of times you're just protecting them from yourself themselves because they just don't know and and it's important because like in high school you throw this helmet on, grab the mask, shake it. That's not how we fit helmets. And that's, you know what I mean? And so it's a big thing is just while you're doing it, educating them what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're looking for. So that, and it helps them too, is when they wear it on the field, okay, he was looking for this and I kind of noticed that. And so then when they describe what's going on, they can say, Hey, this is bothering me here, here or whatever, as opposed to like, Hey, my stuff's loose. Well, that doesn't help anybody. And you got to ask follow-up questions. But if they have a kind of an understanding, you know, most of them still do that anyways. But if you give them that understanding, it, it generally will help kind of bridge that gap in communication and solve the problem. If it's a 30-second two squeezes on the pump fix or if it's a three-minute reconstruct the helmet fix, that's a – I mean, you know, in a game, 30 seconds to three minutes, is that's one play or a drive. And that's a, that's a big deal. You don't have the luxury of 
taking because you usually happens to pretty good players when when someone's helmet it's like when your stud someone, comes off yeah. and like his helmet exploded and you're just yeah. like uh it's gonna be a minute um yeah. yeah so yeah it makes a huge difference but you know i i do want to thank you for coming on and joining us i will say this um once we had tyler on uh ryro reached out to me and was just like hey man listen to the tyler episode really pumped about it and i was like all right so when when are you coming on then he goes if you get jake on then i'll come on so now i get to hold that over his head so we're gonna try and do everything we can to get ryan on here and uh just have him join us because for me it's gonna be awesome i mean from from working with him when we were at nevada and just obviously uh keeping in touch with him since then and you know just seeing how his career has gone and the different things he's done. It's been a lot of fun, but you know, I really want to thank you for coming on and joining us and uh, letting us talk to somebody else from, from team Troy. It seems like half this podcast now has been about, about team Troy and the guys that he's had come through. And I'll tell you what, we, we learn something new every time we get to talk to one of you guys. And it's been uh, an absolute pleasure for us. People, people are going to either really like Team Troy, or they're going <laughs> to they're going <laughs> to leave the like, can we, move on. But yeah, can we do something different, boys? You know, okay. let us know if you're on a different team that you you think can can rival Team Troy. We'll have some of y'all on. But right now, it looks like Team Troy's got the crown, unless unless somebody else's network wants to come up and and challenge. But it's been a lot of fun, um, just watching uh, where this tree has been and, and giving people, uh, especially the young kids. We have a lot of. 20 to 25 year olds that listen just seeing what that networking does because we told all these student managers when we interviewed some we first started to you know you got to network use twitter use whatever you can it's not just about the people in in your university and now people are seeing that where you know you didn't go to go to school um with tyler but he worked for you and now he's got all these team troy people that he knows through that he had blake reed come through last week and and they've got a deeper relationship than vendor and and customer so because of that it's it's key yeah, it really is, and just you know the it just it, it's with the relationships. It's just I mean, I know people don't like talking on the phone. Text messaging works, you know what I mean. But to me, like the the interpersonal relationships are are always are always um, you know the the big thing, and just getting to talk to people. You know, I, I missed AFCA this year, being able to sit down and watch the national title game, and just I mean, in that three hours, you get to talk with twenty thirty. Guys, like I said, I still talk to the Pac-12 guys. I haven't seen other than AFCA. I don't see those guys, and so that's a chance. I usually I usually spend the time with Kenny out at Oregon. Kenny's Kenny's my boy, but um, you know, like and Jerry at Arizona State, and a lot of those guys. Like I still, whether we watch the game or not, I still seek them out to say hi and just and, and like you guys know, it's such a fraternity where once you're once you're buddies and you get a relationship, even if I talk to you for five minutes, it was like we've never been apart and. You know, you just you it's 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 sufficient. You know what I mean? If I see you in the vendor hall, and I get to talk to you for five minutes. You, you feel fulfilled because you got to see see yeah. people that you you care about and have a good relationship with. And that, I I missed that this year. You know, and Twitter's a good way of like reaching out to people and talking that way. But you know, not necessarily broadly tr- tweeting, but more so the inner the interpersonal connections of things. So that's where you get like we said we're. We've been talking for almost two hours. You're going to use 45 minutes of it probably for a podcast. But the the other hour and change, that helps morph conversations to different things and where you kind of get to know people a lot better. And then you know who you can who you can talk to more and, and like how what depth you can ask them for, for input, you know what I mean, versus like how many, how many managers you got. I don't know him very well, so this guy will tell me who he's got. 
this guy I know much better. How many you got? How much you paying him? Uh, you know what I mean? You can you can kind of gauge what levels those relationships are, and if you want to build some more more thorough than you currently have, you can you know you kind of sift through that and figure out who you want to you know kind of continue to grow a relationship for. But it just helps you kind of distinguish who your go tos are, who you have relationships with, and uh, and it, it expand because I mean if you told me when I was 18 years old. And I, that when I left Heartland, Wisconsin, to go to Iowa State, that I would live in California and Arkansas. There, I mean, I would not have taken that bet. You know what I mean? Especially California. I never thought I would ever go out there, and it was two great years in California. I mean, I I enjoyed it, and it's helped me get to where I am. But you just you don't know where you're going to go and what's going to get you there, and and just meeting as many people as you possibly can. You just you just you just enjoy it i mean it's just the best part about it is meeting all these different people it's, it's no different than the players like i've i've never been to miami florida and the number of players former players that i know from miami florida that i would never meet unless i was in this building mm-hmm. i'm fortunate to meet those people Sam we got a lot of kids from new orleans like I've, I've never been in new orleans but no. some of my favorite players are i mean you just you get equipment guys the same way like there's just so such a wide range of where people come from but you're all working towards the same thing, and it kind of makes it a cool, unique network of people. Um, it helps with differing opinions on things, and um, but it exposes you to a lot of stuff that you traditionally wouldn't mm. get to experience. And I'm I'm grateful for that. I mean, I've met a lot of different people that I would have never without the job, and and I'm 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 better for that than 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 not. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. it makes you well rounded. You definitely get a good. Uh, dissection of america and and different cultures and stuff because i mean we had kids i mean I, I i've never met any other other than this but we were in you know the middle of montana where i think we had we we actually looked it up because it was pretty funny i was at montana state and we had like 60 something kids on campus that were black kids i mean it was low it's montana that's what you expect most of them were in athletics obviously and you know, I, I was working every day with kids that were from Los Angeles, and I, I don't know anyone else that's from Los Angeles, but no matter where you go in athletics, you're going to have a diverse crowd that you're working with, and, and it's going to be it's gonna be a unique experience for you, so it always makes you a little more well-rounded. You never feel like you're too isolated from any part of the country because everywhere you go, there's a little bit of everywhere. Yep, it helps mold your, I mean, it helps mold your personality, helps mold your leadership because, again, the, the kids at Iowa State, my student managers, when I was a student manager, and, and a lot of those guys, farm kids, or, you know, a lot of blue collar, blue collar work, they just, they just work their tails off, you know what I mean, and Cal, they're, they're different upbringing, because they're really freaking smart, to get into Cal Berkeley, you know, smart, you gotta be like valedictorians, and your student managers, and, and it's, they worked hard too, they're just different types of people, Arkansas is the same deal, a lot of, a lot of Texas kids, a lot of Arkansas kids, Missouri, um, we just get a, a melting pot of just different personalities, different types of kids. You find out how you, like, I mean, you guys have been at different schools, how you recruit student managers. Each school is different of how you can find recruit student managers, the type of personalities, the type, what you're looking for. Um, cause every scenario is different and the type of kids are different and they're all, I mean, they're all unique in their own way and just, it helps, it helps evolve your leadership style and how you can, how you can address these kids versus these kids versus these kids what they respond to um and it, it helps kind of in um helps kind of evolve your your leadership styles and and expose exposes you that way because i mean again my i uh, ryan my first full-time assistant i hired 
um, was from Kansas, and my second assistant is from Arkansas. My third assistant's from Missouri. Um, the coworker I worked at Cal, one was from uh, both of them from New York. Ironically, um, Brandon Brandon Smith, uh, Brandon Smith was from New York, and Trish is from Connecticut, who's now the director out there. Trish um, Bonning Chen was our Olympic sport guy. He's from he's from China, <laughs> and so like it's just a wide range of, of different people. And yeah, but you're better for it because it just it exposes you. It you meet people that you traditionally wouldn't meet, and it just it, they're great people. They're people I consider friends. And but again, the athletic realm of it is what it, it gets you around people you traditionally wouldn't be around, and it makes you better for it. And and it expands your tree. It helps develop you personally, um, that kind of thing. And so I mean, it's the best part of the job. Honestly, is the relationships and things, and um, it's good, a lot of good people. A lot of good people through it. So yeah, I mean, some of them are my best friends, and unfortunately, I have to say, Scott you know, <laughs> have been people that I've been around you know working athletics so um, you kind of hit the nail on the head they're like you you just kind of immerse yourself and every time you take a new job you're moving to essentially a different part of the country and you're kind of starting over but the best part is you're starting over in athletics where everybody's kind of in the same boat so you're all coming together and you're all in the kind of like the same mindset in terms of hey i don't know anybody here let me, you know, become friends and, and, or be welcoming to this new person because, you know, this guy's moving from Wisconsin, this guy's moving from China, like New York, wherever it may be, yeah. but we all have the same goal. So it's, I mean, it's awesome. I loved, that's what, I, you know, the one thing I love the most about working in athletics, you get to be around so many different people and really travel kind of the country. So, yep. um, it's, it's been, it was a pleasure for me. I, you know, I miss it. I want to get back into at least even like working in something where I get to travel around and, and be around athletics still. So, well, yeah, man, we really appreciated it. This podcast has been fun. We've been doing, uh, with this and all these, all these different people we've talked to, it's the same thing where we're, uh, meeting different people, shooting the shit and, and getting to, uh, learn new things, man. We learn new new things things every time. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely take some stuff I heard from you and I'll I'll put it in my equipment room. And I've been, I've, I've been using this selfishly as, as it's been, uh, my AEMA, breakout sessions so yeah. and can we get ceus for doing this podcast <laughs> having to listen to half of us talk for an hour you deserve it <laughs> yeah just send us a screenshot uh to the ama of the <laughs> the apple q where you've listened to it or the spotify where you can see and, and you'll yeah. get your but yeah man we appreciate it it's been fun and uh hopefully the weird recruiting season in the mid years and all that stuff doesn't beat you down too bad no it'll be good appreciate it Appreciate you guys having me on here. It's always fun to talk shop with other equipment guys. And like you said, I learned a bunch from other people listening and lost listen to all of them. So um, <laughs> just hearing just how people do things differently. And it's, it's, it's always a, it's always a pleasure to talk shop with, with other equipment guys and uh, appreciate you having me. All right. We'll Thanks, see man. you guys next week, man. Uh, see ya. See ya.